Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. Yes, I am Trent Rush, and I am really excited about what we have here on the show for you today. It's not going to be one of our longer shows. I know there's a lot happening in baseball right now. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm not interested in in picking sides and really breaking down a a lot that's happening there. It's all really fluid, and I am somebody that uh, loves baseball as much as you, uh, maybe more. I've talked a lot about uh, my passion for this game and and how I love baseball and how I'm excited for what's going to happen next when we finally do get to see our beautiful game. Obviously, I've been disheartened by a lot of the news, and I like to use this podcast as a place to have just a, a a little brief a bit of some positivity because I know things uh, are, are really frustrating. A lot of people are really down in these times. I mean, we're going on like three months now uh, of people uh, being upset like every single week. So hopefully that can start to turn around soon. Hopefully a lot of that can happen through baseball. But uh, if you came here wanting to kind of hear my thoughts on what I think about what's going on in negotiations between the players and the owners, this isn't the place for that. This is the place to celebrate the greatness of our beautiful game of baseball. It's the best game in the world. I love it so much. I know you do too. And I know that when the time does happen, it's going to be a big part of the nation's healing process. You know, we're, we're not going to truly get our game back until we can have fans in the stands. And I was saying this on the radio uh, just the other day that, you know, part of the baseball experience is that it's such a social sport. I mean, to be able to spend time together. Yeah, we all want to see what happens on the field and that's exciting. But gosh, so much about the game to me is about the chance to you know share a bucket of cookies or helmet nachos and you know you tell stories with each other it's part of that communal experience at the very least I hope we can have that communal experience 
uh, maybe via social media, by, by watching games on TV or listening on the radio at the very least. But uh, we, we won't truly get our game back until I can see you guys at the Big A and we can watch Angels baseball together. That's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I hope it comes soon. I, I don't know when that day is going to be. I just hope uh, it happens. And, and I'm also hoping uh, to get the chance to see this 2020 Angels squad get to play because there is just so much talent on this team. And I know a lot of people have been talking about the pitching staff. And everybody knows how well this team can hit. But I know there are questions about the pitching. I think the Angels did a really good job in the offseason of acquiring uh, pitchers like Julio Tehran and Dylan Bundy, a couple of them with Andrew Keeney and Griffin Canning now will be healthy um, you know, when baseball does return. And Shohei Otani will be healthy when baseball does return. So that, that's a pretty good uh, pitching staff. But the Angels added another guy that I think uh, could have a big-time impact, you know, maybe even as soon as 2021. Al Leiter was talking about Reed Detmers, the Angels' uh, first-round pick, 10th overall during the draft on MLB Network, you know, he was saying that Detmers could be somebody that we may even see next season playing in the major leagues. Uh, he is somebody that is rumored to be on the list of one of those guys that can really be accelerated through the system. And when you see other publications, like I saw CBS Sports put out a publication of all of the players that got drafted, who would be the soonest to the major leagues, who could get there the quickest? Well, Reed Detmers was number one on that list. So a lot of people believe that Reed Detmers can be somebody uh, that could come up quick. Now, you know, I, I, to that I say let's pump the brakes a little bit. There's enough expectation on you already when you're the 10th overall pick, when you're the team's first-round pick, especially in an organization like the Angels that has needed top-tier pitching talent. Uh, but, I mean, he, he, his comparisons are ridiculous. I mean, some people want to compare him to, like, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he's, he, he lists Clayton Kershaw and David Price as his two favorite pitchers, um, you know, growing up. But, I mean, stuff like that, it, you know, it's a little bit of that is lunacy. I think the best Reed Detmers is going to be Reed Detmers. His scouting report touches 94 miles an hour as a couple of really good uh, breaking balls, too. Uh, you know, his curveball is, is a plus curveball. It's a really good pitch. You know, he set the Louisville record for strikeouts in a single season uh, when he was a sophomore there, committed to Louisville actually uh, all the way back when he was a sophomore in high school, which is pretty remarkable. So uh, he had a great college career, played with Team USA, uh, played in the area code games where he was actually teammates with Joe Adele. So uh, there's some familiarity there. But uh, like Joe Adele was the 10th overall pick for the Angels in 2017, uh, Reed Detmer is the 10th overall pick of the Halos in 2020, and he is our guest here on the podcast today. So let's not waste any more time and get to our chat with the Angels' first-round pick, Reed Detmers. Joined now by the Angels first round pick, 10th overall just this past week. Reed Detmers is joining us now. The left-handed starting pitcher. The Halos are certainly excited about Reed. Uh, congratulations on getting drafted. My first question to you is how has your life changed uh, since uh, you were picked 10th overall? Um, honestly, uh, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, I've been doing basically what I've been doing the whole time. Uh, playing catch, working out, and throwing bullpens. Other than that, um, I've got to spend a little bit of time with my family, a little bit more time with my friends. And, yeah, I'm, I'm just enjoying what uh, what I have to come, and I'm looking forward to the future. 
Reed, I'll tell you, it looked like you guys had a pretty sweet setup when we saw you on MLB Network and ESPN, hearing your name called and seeing the video that you put out on social media. Uh, it was pretty neat seeing it. It looked like friends and family around you. What was draft day like? Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, it was very emotional, uh, very exciting. Just a lot of emotions going through everybody's head, honestly. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of phone calls, um, a lot, a lot of talking to friends, family members, coaches, kind of everybody. Um, but once I, once I got, I heard my phone or heard my phone ring, and then saw it was the Angels, and then I heard my name called. Um, it was, it was a special moment. Um, it was a moment I'll, I'll never forget. Um, and yeah, it was very exciting and. Yeah. Other than that, I can't. I can't really remember a whole lot. Uh, I kind of. I kind of blacked out. Uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking with Billy Epler, and it's kind of surprising because, you know, he, what he was saying about you is when he spoke to you on the phone and, and in Zoom calls and in different ways you guys were interacting. He said, "Man, that was as cool and calm of collected of anybody that we've ever talked to um, as as a draft pick." So, uh, I guess I'm kind of curious about what is it that makes you like so calm and cool in, in those kind of moments? Is it one of those things where I mean, you just got ice in the veins and pressure doesn't get to you? What's going on, man? Uh, I mean, it's just kind of my personality. Um, I, I I think I've always been like this. Um, Nothing really gets to me. Um, I'm always calm and collective. That's kind of who I am. Um, that's kind of what I take uh, pride in. Um, and I'm kind of the same way on the field, too. Um, I don't really show any emotion. Um, and, yeah, it's just kind of who I am, I guess. Reed, your dad played professional baseball. And in just kind of looking back a little bit from what I could find into uh, your life leading up even to your time at Louisville, I mean, you committed there after your sophomore season. I mean, that, that's an early commitment. You end up going there. You could have gone. Uh, you played professionally after high school. You decided to go to college. Uh, it says, I think, a lot about your loyalty. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys will commit early, and then they change their minds. That happens often. You didn't. So what, what do you think that that says about uh, you and your personality and wanting to uh, just fulfill your commitment and, you know, represent yourself and your family as best you can. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not going to do something out of the ordinary. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to hold my hold my word, I guess. Um, so for me, that's that's huge. Um, that's a that's a way I could build trust. That's a way um, I can um kind of interact with others and kind of like that so for me being able to say i'm going to do do something then actually do it um that sh that shows a lot um yeah. so for me going coming here to louisville after i committed three years before um was everything i could have imagined um i got along with the coaches uh being able to play here was it was unreal. Um, I loved I loved every bit of it. 
Sure. I mean, and, and I, you know, I, I know some folks that have, have been through there, and uh, they say there is a few places better to get to play college baseball than at Louisville, and maybe that is the cream of the crop, and that environment and getting a chance to, to play in, in that kind of space is pretty neat. But even before that, before your college days, heck, maybe even before your high school days, what, when did you think, like, hey, I want to be a Major League Baseball player? Was that something that's always kind of been in you? Yeah, that's always been a dream um, ever since I started playing because uh, I knew my dad uh, chased that dream uh, and he came close. So I wanted to uh, kind of pursue that dream after him. Um, so as soon as I started playing, that was that was a goal in, in my mind. Um, I didn't actually think I was going to be able to do it until probably freshman or sophomore year of high school. Uh, that's when I really started developing. Um, but, yeah, it was – it's always been in the back of the mind. I know that in some interviews that you said, you know, going into college that, hey, you, you probably felt like mentally you were ready to go play professional baseball, but you wanted to mature a little bit physically. How do you feel about how that maturation process went? And, and maybe along those same lines, like how different is your stuff then compared to what it is now? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I – I felt like I needed to come to college to develop a little bit more. Um, so that's kind of what I did. Uh, as soon as I got on campus, I uh, started getting stronger um, and started getting my body right, and things started to work out. Um, so I, I feel like now everything's a little bit more advanced than high school. Um, high school, um, there was I, there wasn't anything special. Um, it was probably just so, probably – a little above average, I would say, for most most part. But as soon as I got on campus, the, the stronger I got, the better my stuff got. So um, my breaking ball improved, my fastball improved. Every, like everything kind of evolved. So uh, yeah, I, coming here it was the, probably the best decision I've made. And yeah. I heard that Mike Trout was trying to get in touch with you, but you were so busy talking with us in the media, uh, you didn't have a chance to, to answer the phone for uh, for Trouty. Were you ever able to connect with Mike Trout? Uh, he actually texted me uh, a couple minutes later. Um, but, yeah, it was, that was a cool moment. Uh, he just kind of said, congratulations. Uh, if you need anything, let me know. Uh, I said, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I didn't really know what to say. Uh, that was yeah. That's a that's a player that I grew up watching. I've always dreamed of uh, talking to and meeting. So hopefully, sometime in the future, I can I can uh, talk to him. Well, as someone that grew up in the Midwest and then you play college baseball at Louisville, I, I would like to kind of know your perspective or, or you know your perception of the Angels because you know I, you know being out there removed, we all have you know kind of our thoughts about this club here in Southern California. But uh, from your side, was that something like you were considering? Like, oh man, I, I might get to play with Mike Trout. This is pretty awesome. Does that go through your mind when you're talking to the Angels? Uh, I mean, yeah. Um, I so I, I grew up an hour and a half north of St. Louis, so I grew up watching Albert Pujols play. I I went yeah. to a lot of the games he played. So being able to play on a team with him and Mike Trout and so many other great players, uh, it's something special. Um, when I was talking to the Angels, um, I that did cross my mind just because I knew the environment around the angels i knew all the all the great players that 
that are on the team. And, yeah. Well, and, and now looking forward to getting some winning done and getting the, that rotation bulked up. And I know there's a lot of talk about – you know, you being there and, and maybe soon. I mean, there a lot of folks are saying, I mean, everyone's an expert right now, right? But there are a lot of people saying, hey, of the players drafted, if there's a guy that's got a chance to get to the big leagues at an accelerated rate, Reed Detmers might be that guy. Uh, what do you say to that when, when you're thinking about, you know, the, the potential for possibly having a quick rise to the major leagues? Was that something for you that maybe made the Angels extra attractive? Um, I mean – I, maybe uh, I I don't really know. Um, but I'm just trying to do my do my thing. So for me, I think it's really important just to focus on uh, whatever's next. So I'm trying to focus on what's going to happen next week. So what? Like I'm just really focusing day by day. Sure. Uh, just trying to get better. Um, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to push anything. I'm trying. I'm just trying to be relaxed and uh, just kind of go through the process. Reed, I'm a little bit curious about the process of getting drafted itself because, like, in the NFL, we see college football games. He's got the combine. You know, scouts are always watching. They're always keeping an eye. But, you know, a lot of it's public. And then, you know, the NFL draft happens, and you kind of know who the players are. In baseball, that's not necessarily the case. Now, for the amount of college players that were taken early in the draft, I think most fans are aware of that. But what is the – scouting process from your perspective about what goes into this i mean were, were there radar guns at your games as freshmen like how does that work um i mean there's there's a lot of things um obviously when you're a freshman and sophomore you don't really notice it a whole lot but i get i'm sure there are some teams that scout you that yeah or as a freshman and sophomore in college um but i really saw it starting after my sophomore year um going in the summer ball, uh, pitching in front of big, big groups of scouts, uh, at like, like USA trials or going out and playing in the Cape league or somewhere like that, where there's a bunch of scouts, uh, you get recognized there. Uh, then they also come to like fall scrimmages. They come to spring scrimmages. They come to spring games. Um, and there's, there's always radar guns. There's always, there's always stopwatches or there's, there's always something being being held by all the scouts. Um, but other than that, um, it's just a lot of conversations, uh, just getting to know who you are, and for the players, really getting to know who the organizations are too. So, um, yeah, that's really all I can say about that. Yeah, it's such a big part of it. But in regards to the time that you spent – you know, getting a chance to represent USA, playing for USA Baseball, being with so many great players in the Cape. How do those kind of experiences, do you feel like, help you uh, in, in terms of confidence and also just as a baseball player? Yeah, being able to play for Team USA and playing in the Cape Cod League, um, it's really shaped me who I am today. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Um, I, I learned how to... I learned more about the game and how to get better at the same time. Um, but just by teaching myself, talking to others, learning from them, and simple things that people always do, and it's just something that I kind of picked up. Um, so for me, I kind of really shaped myself after uh, after freshman year, going into sophomore year, uh, going in the Cape. Um, 
I pitched well, um, and I, once I once I came back, I I had a lot of confidence in my stuff, and so that that's kind of where I got my confidence, and from there, everything kind of uh, worked out from there. I love it. Hey, um, I, I think maybe Angel fans are going to want to try to get to know. Reed Detmers as a, a person too because we all know uh, how good a pitcher you are and especially what I think many people think you can be at the big league level too it's really exciting but uh, just for a moment I want to get to know Reed Detmers the person what are some things maybe uh, Angels fans should know about you and kind of uh, who you are uh, I'm a calm relaxed guy um, very uh, just kind of laid back i guess i would say um but yeah i'm I'm not gonna be the kind of person to blow anybody off i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to whoever um and i'm gonna give everybody my respect um and yeah i'm that's kind of who i am just calm relaxed and respectful Reed, we call that California cool, and I think you're going to fit in beautifully in Orange County, and I'm looking forward to it. Hey, thanks again for the time today. Uh, congratulations on being selected in the first round, and I can't wait to uh, see baseball, period, but especially to get a chance to see you uh, pitch hopefully real soon. Reed, again, thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. How cool is that? By the way, I- I'm just so impressed by the character of Reed Detmers, and I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that. I mean, he really is California cool. He's relaxed. He's confident. He's comfortable. Those are all great things and great traits uh, Great traits to see when somebody's pitching on the mound. But uh, on top of that, the fact that he, he honored his commitment to go to Louisville and committed as a sophomore, and you, you hear so many times about people flipping on their offers and still being recruited and all that. No, he's a man of his word, and he went and delivered and was really good for them. That That's impressive to me. I think that Reed Detmers is an impressive young man. I think his parents uh, clearly have done a really good job with him, and I can't wait to see him uh, pitch for the Angels because uh, I don't think that day is all that far away, and I'm really excited about it. You know, I one thing that I've been getting a chance to do here during this pandemic time is look at some old stories and look at some interesting baseball quirks. Like Tim Kirchner on ESPN, I think, does a really good job of finding some quirky baseball stories. But, man, I'm a baseball history nut, and I love to learn about different elements of the game that you know you get to spend a little bit more time researching and learning about now than we normally do during the season, which takes me to the perfect game. 27 up, 27 down, no one gets on base, no walks, no hits, no runs, no errors. I mean, to me, that's like so baseball. It's the perfect combination of skill and good fortune and usually utter dominance. They do not happen often. There have only been 23 perfect games in baseball history, and we haven't seen one in a while. I mean, the last to do it was actually Felix Hernandez in 2012, but apparently when they come, they seem to come in bunches. That was one of three perfect games that year. Now, the Angels have actually been on both sides of a perfect game. More recently, Ranger Southpaw Kenny Rogers threw one against the Halos in 1994. That was 10 years after the last day of the 1984 season. That's when Mike Witt 
was perfect, retiring all 27 Texas Rangers in an hour and 49 minutes in front of just over 8,000 fans on that Sunday afternoon in Arlington, the only perfect game in Angels history. Witt was also a part of the combined no-hitter six years later with Mark Langston, one of two combined no-hitters in Angels history, the other being July 12th of last season when Taylor Cole and Felix Pena didn't give up a hit to Seattle, all while wearing number 45 jerseys in honor of Tyler Skaggs. Now, no-hitters almost seem like a dime a dozen to the Angels. What happens when you got Nolan Ryan throwing four of them in an Angels uniform? The Halos have had 11 no-hitters in franchise history, tied to the Yankees for six most in the American League. And speaking of the Yankees, the most famous perfect game belongs to Don Larson, whose perfect game in Game 5 of the 56 World Series against Jackie Robinson and the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, remains, or you could say pretty confidently, that was the most famous perfect game of all time. Yogi Berra was behind the plate that day. Mickey Mantle drove in one of the two Yankee runs that day. Pretty cool stuff to go look back at that game. Now, the first perfect game on record was actually all the way back on June 12th of 1880 when Lee Richmond of the Wooster Woosters didn't allow a base runner in their one nothing win over the Cleveland Blues. Richmond's perfect game was preserved by a 9-3 put out on what should have been a hit, but wasn't. Thus, Richmond is credited for tossing the first perfect game in baseball history. Plus, he did so in an hour and 26 minutes, including a rain delay in the eighth inning, adding to the oddity that was baseball in the 1880s. Lee Richmond would later become a practicing physician and a teacher to support his $2,400 baseball salary, though that was actually a pretty large sum for a baseball player at the time. In fact, a week before Lee Richmond's perfect game, he was graduating from Brown University, and the day of the perfect game, he had no time to warm up basically didn't even get a chance to eat because his train was delayed coming in from that morning's graduation festivities a perfect ending to a very imperfect day except it wasn't called perfect then that terminology didn't come until january of 1909 when a sports writer was summarizing Addie joss's 1908 feet and the current definition for a perfect game didn't get finalized until get this 1991 Baseball is full of oddities and quirks, but oh so rarely is perfect. In fact, much of baseball's beauty lies in the imperfection of the game that rewards a player that fails 70% of the time. But the chase for what's perfect is what makes so many moments magical, none more so than the perfect game itself. That's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Hey, while you're on the site, might as well take a look at some of the other podcasts we've done. In fact, we had Taylor Blake Ward on last week, uh, basically prepping you for the draft that was to come that night. And credit to Taylor, he picked Reed Detmers to be taken by the Angels at 10. So uh, there you go. It looked like uh, Taylor Blake Ward got that right. Good conversation with Jose Moda, Terry Smith. Uh, We've had so many great interviews. If you haven't had a chance to listen to them, Jim Abbott, Tim Salmon, uh, a long list. Uh, Scott Spezio's interview was a really good one. We've had so many great conversations. I hope you get a chance uh, to take a couple clicks around and enjoy some of those here, however you're listening today. Thanks to Reed Demers for joining us on our podcast, and thanks to everybody that helps put this on every week. For all of them, my name is Trent Rush. Have a great rest of your day, and looking forward to talking to you again next week. See ya.